This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Back in merry old England, in order to carry on scientific work on the human anatomy, body snatchers would supply bodies to doctors for a price. Tonight's chilling tale is told by a sterling cast of Suspense Theater, one of the premier drama productions of the golden age of radio, and subtitled Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills. Approximately 945 episodes were broadcast during its long run, and more than 900 still exist. Tonight's episode, entitled The Body Snatchers. Suspense. hushed voice, the prowling step in the dead of night, the crime that is almost committed, the stir of nerves at the ticking of the clock, the rescue that might be too late, or the murderer who might get away, mystery and intrigue and dangerous adventure. We invite you to enjoy stories that keep you in suspense. For Suspense, tonight we present The Body Snatchers by John Dixon Carr. Beware of the body snatcher who prowls after dark. Beware of the graves he robs. Beware of the murders he commits to provide new corpses for the doctors. Up to the year 1832, the body snatchers terrorized England. According to the law, only four bodies a year could legally be supplied to the surgeons for anatomical study. And even these were a monopoly granted to the Barbers and Surgeons Company of London. But the study of surgery had to go on. In hundreds of medical schools all over England, perfectly reputable doctors were compelled to buy bodies and ask no questions. In 1828, burst the scandal of Burke and Hare, who found grave robbing too slow and murdered 16 persons in order to supply Dr. Knox of Edinburgh. And so, out of basic good purpose, sprang the evil of... The Body Snatcher. Turn back the clock now to a cold night just 110 years ago. 
Look into the brick kitchen of a house on Wandsworth Common, not far from London. There in the light of a tallow dip sits old Mother Slade in her draggled bonnet. What's a keeping them? Two hours. Two mortal hours by the Dutch clock. And they're not here yet. Mother Slade? On the graveyard, not half a mile off. And once I thought I heard church bells ring. And one Mother Slade, did you call? No, my girl, I did not call. But I thought I... And what are you doing up at this hour, my girl? I was only locking up, Mother Slade. Ain't it enough to have taken you over from a good-for-nothing mother not worth the gunpowder to blow her up? Please, Mother Slade. And given you a good home? And brought you up practically like a lady? With only the housework to do? I'm sorry, Mother Slade. Only I wish you wouldn't talk like that about me own mother. And what do you do, Peggy Lester? You stop up until this hour. You mislay me snuffbox twenty times a day. I was only going to say I thought I heard a horse and cart in the lane. In our lane? Yes, Mother Slade. There it is now. Yes. Easy, my dears. Drive easy with the merchandise. The doctors don't like it if you bump the merchandise. Merchandise, Mother Slade? What's that? I'll tell you what it is, my girl. I didn't mean anything, Mother Slade. It's your Uncle Matt and your cousin Robber coming home from their business. That's what it is. You hear that, Piggy Lister? I didn't mislay your snuffbox. It's on the table. And if you don't want me to take my fingernails to you instead of a strap, you get on up to bed this minute, do you hear? Yes, Mother Slade. I'm a-coming, my dears. Don't be impatient. I'm a-coming. Nasty dim light this candle gives. Oh, old Mother Slade has got the rheumatics so cruel she can hardly move. Just pull back the bar, open the door. Well, Matt, did you get it? Did we get it? Strike my blind, but that's a good one, ain't it, Rob? Stow the gab, can't you get, get inside and close the door? They ain't after you. Ain't they? Can't you hear anything? Thought I heard church bills. More like a perishing funeral bell, if you asks me. Take it easy, Rob. Take it easy. We've shaken them off. Have we? I wish I was as certain as some people. The spades and sack is still in the cart. Let them stay. Who's a coming to find them? Then you didn't get it after all, you sick scalpera. Now, don't you start a blaming us. Now, you shut your potato trap, never slide, or metal makes you shut it. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. We was too quick, that's what. The girl was only buried this afternoon. The sooner the better, my dear. What's the good of the merchandise if it ain't fresh, eh? You hold your noise and listen. We left the orson cart outside like we always do. We creeps up to the lich gate of the churchyard. Walk softly, Matt. Walk softly, Rob. In your oily beaver hat and neck claws, under the starlight and the white frosted elms. Take care of the graves, too. Spring guns may be set in some of them to protect the dead from marauders. And if the coffin is one of those new iron ones, all your labor will be in vain. Open the gate softly. Don't make such a bloody row with them shovels. I can't help it. I'm loaded down with all this stuff. Oh, 
And who'll do all the work when we do get there? I will. Matt. Aye. Listen. I can't hear nothing except your teeth are chattering. Matt, there's other people besides us in this here churchyard. Aye, two or three hundred deaders. But they won't bother us. I means living people. Don't talk souls. Somebody's got a dark lantern. I seen it flash past the gravestones. Oh? Where? Can't you see it now? It's a coming straight toward us. Yes, I see him. Come on. They've seen us, Matt. He's about to roll down behind the gravestones. Crash down. They can't shoot through stone. Matt, it says here, sacred to the memory it's of... the a... girl's relatives. They've been watching her grave. Oh, Struth. If only I had me barkers. First time in two years I've gone without a brace of pistols, and this happens. But you ain't got your barkers, Matt Patterson. I got what's just as good. Give me a shovel. What are you going to do? Charge them. This here shovel's got a nice edge. Are you daft? They'll have to take time out to reload, won't they? Hear that? Somebody started the bill. That'll bring down every peeler within a mile. If you want a thriving ticket and a neck in your inner rope, stop where you are. But if you don't want to get scragged before your time, follow me. That's all there is to it, Mother Slade. We went out by the gate and blow me if they could stop us. You perishing numbskulls. Did they recognize you? No. We had our neckerchiefs around our eyes. And did you do it? I don't know. There's blood on the shovel. No, that ain't, Mother Slade. I wiped it off. Anyway, we're here. What I want now is a Christian fire to sit by and a drop of spirits to warm my stomach. There's no spirits in the house, Matt Patterson. Don't you lie to me, you ugly mouth. Let go of me, Matt Patterson. I'm warning you. you better let him go, Matt. There's no spirits. Only half a loaf of bread. Don't I know it. I haven't tasted a drop of gin all day. Black dogs on me back. Well... Mark at what I say. The doctor was promised a corp tonight. All right, dearie, he gets a corp tonight. There's that funeral bell again. What's the clock, old hag? Come on, spit it out. A nice young corp without any trouble or bother. Aye. What about young Peggy upstairs? Strike. Me blind. What about it, eh? You'd have to be mighty careful. Why? You'd have to smother her with a pillow while I sit on her legs. It's what broken air done up in Edinburgh. Then you don't leave any marks on them. Yeah. See? You're off a tick weight. What? If the doctors see they've been polished off, just plain murdered, he won't have nothing to do with it. Leastways, they don't like it. Like it or not, dearie, they all do. Who's buying the beef tonight? Dr. George Arnold. Him? The young fella out Fulham Way? That's the man, dearie. But 
I thought he was too pious and holy to play. That's what Dr. Arnold thought, too, till they started putting the screws on him at Bart's College. No corp, they said to him. No lecture. No lecture, no students. They all comes to it, dearie, sooner or later. What beats me is why they got to have these bodies. You'd think the doctors killed enough people as it is. Without a buying them after they was dead. Don't you question the ways of providence, Matt Pedersen. You can't drink, Matt. You can't drink, Mama Slade. You stole that noise, Bob Plenty's. Do you want to wake the poor girl upstairs? But you can't do it. This Cove Arnold, he knows her. Arnold knows who? He knows Peggy. Peggy Fair worships the ground he walks on. Oh. He set her arm once when Mother Slade broke it, accidental-like. And she can't forget him. What's Arnold going to think when he opens up the sack and he finds What his... can Arnold do? He's bought her, ain't he? He can't go to the police and say he's bought her. Peggy. Peggy Lester. Don't do it, Mother Slade. Don't do it. And how do you two sickheads know what Mother Slade is going to do? You're going to kill her, ain't you? Peggy. Peggy Lester. Why? I thought I heard her moving about upstairs. You did, Mr. Milk and Water. She's on the stairs now. Rob, you're the least to be depended on. Go out and fetch in the sack. Don't do it. It'll bring us all bad luck. Matt, you're a lad after me own heart. You stop where you are and do just as I tell you. Trim the candle. Let's have it all nice and snug. What'll she bring, do you think, Fifteen guineas, maybe twenty, <laughs> maybe more. Twenty guineas? Strike me blind. But this is a way of doing business that I like. Listen, did you call me Mother Slade? That's right, my ducky. That's right, my little pet. Put your wrap around you and your slippers to keep your feet warm and come right down here to Mother Slade. I'm coming, Mother Slade. I'm coming. Who in those times would be a surgeon and still be an honest man? At that drugged hour of the night, look into the sitting room of a spacious house... Many candles are still alight there, though they have burned down nearly to their silver sockets. There is Chinese paper on the walls, and a turkey carpet underfoot. In front of the fire, now almost out, sits Dr. George Arnold with his bottle green coat and heavy hair. Dr. Arnold, sir. Uh, I, 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 I beg your pardon, Mrs. Tancred. Dr. Arnold, sir. It's gone two o'clock. Yes, yes, oh yes, so it has. You've got a lecture to deliver tomorrow, and you'll be all worn out. Why don't you go on up to bed? Mrs. Tancred. Yes, sir? You're a jewel of a housekeeper. I admire you, and I can't do without you, but would you please go away and let me alone? Oh, sure, I'm very sorry, sir. No offense intended. Ah, uh, stop. I, I shouldn't have said that. I'm... Uh, I'm thinking too much, perhaps. And smoking too many cigars, if you'll excuse me. 
Why must they keep tolling that bell at East Hill Church? Why must they keep it up all night? Well, sir, Elsie says the parson told him to do it. Elsie? Wait. Who, who is Elsie? Dr. Arnold, sir. I know you're always up in the clouds, mooning over books and whatnot, but I did think you'd recognize the name of your own parlor oh, maid. Oh, that Elsie. I see. Well? Elsie says it's because of the murder in the churchyard. What murder? Two resurrection men. Body snatchers, sir. Oh, you wouldn't know anything about such people. No, no. No, of course not. They were caught trying to rob a grave. But they got away. One of them was a horrible big fella. Split Willie Kendrick's head open with the edge of a shovel. Is anything wrong, sir? No, not, not exactly. Well, I thought for a second, seeing how you looked. Did they... did they get the body? Yes, sir. It was Willie Kendrick. His head was split open with a shovel. No, no, I, I mean, did these resurrection men get what they were after? No, sir. Thank God. Oh, you may well say that, Doctor. Well, I wasn't exactly speaking in the religious sense, but never mind. Well, Elsie says there are what she calls peelers all over the place. Peelers? Yes, these new policemen. After Sir Robert Peel. And somebody from the new detective police that they're using instead of the Bow Street runners. Well, Mrs. Tancred, I'm going to smoke one more cigar and then I'm going to bed. Very good, sir. You see, sometimes you give orders, then it's too late to recall them. Whatever the medical practice is, you, you can't look your conscience in the face afterwards. Then, I can't tell you how or why, a miracle comes along and saves you, and you're free, you're... What was that? Sounds like a horse and cart in the drive, sir. Mrs. Tancred. Yes, doctor. Will you please go upstairs? Now make haste. If it's visitors, sir, or even a patient... Mrs. Tancred, you heard my instructions. Obey them. Sir, there's the front door. Yes, I, I heard it. For the last time, go away. I will admit whatever visitors we have. Yes, sir. Good evening, dearie. Oh, come into the sitting room here, Miss... Uh, Mrs. Slade. No, sir. Just call me Mother Slade. You don't hardly seem natural or friendly to hear anything else. It's a pleasure to curtsy to you, Doctor. Cool. What a lovely room. I... I suppose... Your candles is going out, though. One by one. Poof. Then you'll be in the dark. I suppose you've come to report failure. Failure, dearie? I... I understand you didn't get what you went after. Bless you, dearie. We got something just as good. Finest piece of merchandise you ever saw. You haven't got it here. Bless you, dearie. Mother Slade always keeps her word. Bring the merchandise in, my dears, so the doctor can see it. Quiet, please. Oh, of course, dearie, I forgot. The big fellow with the black eyebrows is Uncle Matt. The little fellow with the watery eyes is Cousin Rob. And between them, in that sack, they're carrying... Well, who is it in the sack? Nineteen-year-old girl, dearie. Finest anatomical specimen you ever saw. Merciful. Yes, you want this here thing dumped, Governor. Easy now, Matt. Why did you bring it here? That's where you told us to bring it, dearie. I, I mean, why did you bring it to the front door? Why not to the surgery? Only place in the house where there was lights, Governor. Hurry up now. Where do you want it? Well, take it... Yes, dearie? Take it over and put it in the cupboard there, where I'm pointing. This cupboard here, sir. Yes, then, then close the cupboard door. Shame on you two. Tracking your muddy boots over the doctor's lovely turkey carpet. 
Easy, my dears, easy now. All right, Robin, she Don't bruise the merchandise. Whatever you do, don't bruise the merchandise. Right, me blind, what's the odds? She can't feel it now. Here's your body, Mr. Sawbones. Now, let's see your money. Well, just one moment before I give it to you. There ain't no itch in this, is there? Uh, better not be. No, I I made a bargain with you and I'll stick to it. Thank you. That's uncommon genteel of you. Kindly stand back, sir. You're two stone of fat heavier than I am and you don't impress me. Easy, Matt. Take it easy. I, I want to ask only one question. Where did you get that body? That's a question, dearie, what people in your profession don't ask. Why not? Because they don't dare. That's why. Would the police be interested in where you got the body? No, dearie. Not half so interested in as where we brought it. To your house. It's your responsibility now. Yes, I suppose it is. The victim wouldn't be by any chance that pretty little girl you used to treat so unmercifully. You hold your noise about how I treated her. I was rather fond of Peggy. Oh, 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 oh. strike me blind. I think there's all... Get out of this house, all of you. Go on, get out. Not without that money, dearie. It's 20 guineas now. There's money on the table under that newspaper. Take what you want, honey. Get out of here before I... Oh, what was that? Aye. What was it? A late visitor, I imagine. Was you expecting anybody? Eh? No. Don't drop the lovely money, Rob. Don't drop it all over the carpet. Pick it up. Is there the back way, Addy? Yes, it's the way you should have come. Through that arch and, and down the passage. Thank you for the rhino, Governor. And no games, mind you, if you know what's good for you. Good night, dearie. Remember, you've got the body now. Yes. I've got the body now. Poor Poor little devil. In heaven's name, Mrs. Tancred, haven't you gone to bed yet? I had to get up, sir, to answer the bell. Yes, yes, of course. I'm sorry. Dr. Arnold, what's the matter with you? Matter? You're as white as a ghost and you're almost crying. Am I? Well, we must remedy that. It's so dark in here, I can barely see you sitting there. The candles going out one after another. Nothing but smoke and an ugly smell of grease and that cupboard door. What about that cupboard door? I always declare, sir, it won't keep shut without any latch or bolt. If you'll excuse the lift... Mrs. Tancred, keep away from that cupboard. Dr. Arnold, sir, are you ill or anything? No, but keep away from that cupboard. Who who rang the bell? Oh, dear, I was almost forgetting. It's that man Elsie was talking to us about. What man? The officer of the detective police, sir. He wants to see you. Well, I'll see him, but... In some other room, not here. It's, as you say, there's not enough light. Uh, not a bit of it, Doctor, not a bit of it. Never too dark, as you might say, where the police are concerned. I couldn't help it, sir. He must have followed me down the hall. Uh, are you... Uh, that's right, Doctor. I'm Stalker at your service, Inspector Stalker. Uh, how do you do, Inspector? Mrs. Tancred, you may go. By your leave, sir. I'll just get some more candles and put them in that bracket by the cupboard. It's not in use. No, you needn't trouble. It's no trouble, sir. Excuse me. First of all, Doctor, I must apologize for intruding as late as this. Uh, Not at all, Inspector. Will you be seated? Thank you, sir. Thank you kindly. Now, I dare say you're wondering why I'm here. Oh, yes, I am, rather. It's a bad business, Doctor. A very bad business. You mean the... 
Murder in the churchyard. Oh, you've heard about it. Well, my housekeeper said something about a, a man being killed with a shovel. That's right, Doctor. Not much doubt about who did that. No? No. The little fellow dropped his dark lantern with the initials on it. They're professional body snatchers. We've had our eye on them for a long time. Speaking of body snatchers, Doctor... Well? I expect this anatomy law is pretty hard in you, surgeons. It's an infamous law, sir. All the same, Doctor, it is the law. Yes. And if any surgeon happened to be caught with a body, especially a murdered body... What what are you hinting at? Nothing, Doctor, nothing. By your leave, I only want to ask a question. Well... What time did your friends leave? Now, come, Doctor. As one man of the world to another, do you see any green in my eye? You are not going to say you had no guests when their horse and cart are still at your front door. They didn't get away. No, Doctor, they didn't. They made a little reception committee as they left by the back door. Darby's on the wrists. Snap. Just as I might reach out and touch your wrist. Like this. What do you mean by Darby's? Handcuffs. I've got a pair in my pocket. Gags into their mouths. That's to keep them from biting. Do do we have to go on with this? You you already seem to know everything I could tell you. Not exactly everything. I don't know, for instance, where you've hidden the girl's body. You're a very diligent man, Inspector Stalker. Thank you, sir. I try to do my duty. You said... A girl? These gin-muddled degenerates have been watched every second since they left East Hill Churchyard. They hadn't a body then, but they brought one here. And there's only one other person who lives in the same house with them. Dr. Arnold, sir. Mrs. Tancred, listen to me. Yes, sir. Must you always break in with the most completely ill-timed entrances at all the worst period of my life? I was only trying to be helpful, sir. That's right, madam. Always be helpful. I had to have some light. Here's the candle, sir. Part of them in a big candelabra. We can hang them in the bracket. Ma'am, hold up that light. Hold it high. Really, sir? I'm not in the habit of being spoken to as... Hold it high, I tell you. Do as the inspector tells you, Mrs. Tancred. Mm, This is a very fine carpet you've got here, Doctor. Yes, others have admired it tonight. Mm, But it oughtn't to have footprints on it. Muddy footprints. Footprints leading from the door... Past the sofa, past the half, over to... to that cupboard. Quite correct. I think that's done it, Dr. Arnold. I think it has, Inspector Stalker. Mm, you couldn't have proved anything against you for that churchyard business, but this... Let, let me open Bluebeard's cupboard, Inspector. Let me be the first to show you what's inside. You wanted a certain body. It appears you've come to the right place. Now... Look, Lord Almighty. I'm the body, Mr. Police. Standing up, I'm very much alive. And I'm wearing a nice new dress that the doctor gave me. That I gave you? Don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Uh, stop a bit, miss. Aren't you Peggy Lester? Yes. Just because the doctor has to be so terribly respectable and a girl who's fond of him has to come here in secret. Wait a minute, everybody. Peggy Lester, you're lying. I am not lying. So that's it. Why didn't I guess it? It's the oldest body snatcher's trick in the world, is it? 
Of course, the old pinchpenny, like Mother Slade, couldn't sacrifice a good household drudge. Of course, they brought the body here, instead of taking it to the surgery, where it might get locked up. Could you be persuaded, Inspector, to, to tell us just what you're talking about? The body snatcher, sir. Well, what about them? They take a living accomplice and put him into a sack and sell him to a green doctor as a dead man. Yes, but see here, I... They get the best price they can. Then in the middle of the night, that accomplice gets up and robs the doctor's house. And the doctor can't tell us because he's bought illegal goods. I never intended to go through with it. No, young woman? I tell you, I wasn't going to rob the house. They made me do this. I was going to tell Dr. Arnold. When I found out where they were taking me, I pretended to go through with it so I could warn the doctor. They can hurt so much, you'll agree to almost anything. That sounds like the truth, but it puts me in a funny position and no mistake. Well, your, your three murderers, Inspector, seem to be seem to be leaving. Yes, they're leaving right enough. Trussed up like fowls and under guard. Does anybody go with them? Well, how can anybody go with them? I'm willing to believe this girl acted under threats. She's committed no crime. And I don't for the life of me see how we can touch you. Can't touch me? No, sir. And confound you for making me lose a night's sleep. There's no body. We didn't, you didn't even buy a body. Will you tell me, doctor, just what crime you've committed? And so ends The Body Snatcher. A story of London at midnight, a hundred years ago. And tonight's story of... Suspense. Columbia presents these tales of mystery and intrigue and dangerous adventure for your relaxation and enjoyment. Next Tuesday, there will be another in this series. Same hour, 9.30 Eastern Wartime. William Spear, the producer. John Dietz, the director. Alexander Semler, the composer, conductor. And John Dixon Carr, the author, are collaborators on Suspense. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Well, after that scary bit of business, I think a good laugh's in order. And that's what's in store as we join Lucille Ball on My Favorite Husband here on Theater of the Mind next. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Jack Benny had a wonderful sense of timing, and he was aided and abetted by a stellar group of actors. Eddie Anderson as Rochester, Jack's valet and chauffeur, announcer Don Wilson, Dennis Day, Sadie Marks, Mary Livingston, and Phil Harris. In tonight's episode, Don Wilson has visited a medium, and now Jack Benny gets into the act. Jack Benny. 
Company with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. gentlemen, let's go back to Saturday noon. The cast of the Jack Benny Show has just completed rehearsal and are now walking to the corner drugstore for a light lunch. Now, Jack, uh, I thought the rehearsal went well. Yes, Bob, it sounds like a real funny show. Yeah, funny. <laughs> and remember, fellas, next week's rehearsal has been changed to Friday. Oh, gee, that's, that's too bad. What's the matter, Bob? Well, I made an appointment to go up to Pebble Beach and play golf with my brother Bing. Bing who? <laughs> Bing Crosby. Name dropper. <laughs> Dennis, please. Bob, you can miss rehearsal. All right, kid, let's wait for the light to change before we cross the street. I'm going to cross. Hey, Don, the light's against you. Oh, I don't care. But, Don, here comes a big truck. He'll just have to take his chances like everybody else. Well, that's... Uh-oh, the lights changed. Come on, kids, let's cross. Oh, for heaven's sake. Don, if I told you once, I told you a hundred times. Stop stepping on those MGs. <laughs> Walk over them. <laughs> Funny. Now, come on. Let's all go in the drugstore. Hey, fellas. Here's a baking table over here. I'm right with you, Don. Yeah, this is fine. Let's see, where's the waitress? Oh, there she is. I'll call her. Oh, miss. Miss. What do you want, Mac? <laughs> We'd like to, uh, we'd like to order. Can we have some menus? We ain't got no menus. Now, how do we know what you're serving? It's painted on the window outside. You mean, before I can order something to eat, I have to walk all the way outside? Yeah, and if you're smart, you'll keep walking. Mm. Well, I don't need a menu. All I want is a Swiss cheese sandwich and a glass of milk. Yeah, I'll have a chicken sandwich and coffee. Now, let's see. What do I want? Oh, uh, miss, does this month have an R in it? Yeah. Okay, I'll have an oyster malted milk. <laughs> Go ahead, miss. Bring the order. You mean you're going to let him eat that? Certainly. It may make him sick. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, I'll be right back with your food. Hey, wait a minute, miss. You forgot to take my order. Oh, yeah. What do you have? Cinemascope. <laughs> Miss, why is it every time I come in here, you make remarks about my being fat? Because you are fat. Well, you can forget it once in a while. Imagine you've seen fatter people than me. Yeah, but I had to buy a ticket. <laughs> Don, why don't you order and stop being so sensitive? Oh, okay. Miss, I'll have a hot roast beef sandwich and mashed potatoes. I'll be right back. Don, I wouldn't argue with that girl if I were you. She's not just a waitress, you know. She's in pictures, too. Her last picture was Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. She was the gentleman. 
too. Say, fellas, while we're waiting, I'm going over to the drug counter. Oh, I'll go with you, Don. I got to get some stuff, too. Say, Bob, I'm kind of glad we're alone for a second. I want to talk to you privately. What about? Well, during rehearsal, I noticed you bawling Frankie Remley out. Now, what did he do this time? Oh, Frankie really aggravates me, Jack. The way he throws his money around, he never saves anything. Gee, I didn't know that. Yeah, if it weren't for me, he wouldn't have the necessities of life, like room, board, and bail. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Well, hasn't, hasn't Frankie put anything aside for a rainy day? Not a dime. That's why last week I secretly took out a life insurance policy on him, and I didn't tell him a thing about it. On Remley? You mean you forged his ex? <laughs> I mean, is that... Is, is that legal? Well, certainly I can do that. It's in our contract. Oh, well, that was nice of you. What kind of a policy did you take out on Frank? Well, I've insured him against sickness, accident, and the electric chair. You're kidding Oh, I got the same policy on all the boys in the band All the boys in the band are insured against the electric chair? Yeah, Sammy the drummer isn't really bald He's just ready <laughs> Well, what do you know? <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if I could get a policy for my writers. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, Don, did you get what you wanted? Yeah, Jack. Hey, you're just in time. Here comes the girl with the food. Here's your grub, boys. Oh, waitress. Yeah? Shouldn't there be some gravy on these mashed potatoes? There was, but after three days, it soaks in. <laughs> Don... Don't start anything. Let's just eat what we've got if we can eat now. Okay. Say, I'd like a little music while we're having lunch. Miss, if I gave you a dime, would you put it in the jukebox? If you gave me a dime, I'd do a floor show myself. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh, I'll go pick out a number, Mr. Benny. Hey, Dennis, see if you can find a Bing Crosby record. Why should I help him? He's got five homes already. <laughs> All right, play one of your own records. Okay. Oh, here's one.
I'd forgive her if I could see a signed confession that she's repented and really wanted no one. That's a real good record. Thank you. By the way, kid, I've never asked you this before, but when you record a song, how much do they pay you? Three cents for every record they sell. Hey, that doesn't sound like much, does it, Jack? No, but when you consider that there are 160 million people in the United States, and if each one of them bought Dennis's record, he'd make, uh, let's see, three times 160 million. Why, Dennis, you'd make nearly five million dollars. If this is a build-up to stick me with the lunch check, you're wasting your time. <laughs> trying to stick you with anything. Hey, let's get the check and get out of here, huh? Yeah, here comes the waitress now. Are you clowns through stuffing yourselves? (laughs) (laughs) Miss, miss, I'll take the check. Here you are. Let's see. Okay, here, this takes care of the bill. And this is a tip for you. drugstore. <laughs> Come on, fellas, let's go. Yeah, it's getting late, and I want to go to a movie tonight. Now, wait a minute, Dennis. I got a better idea. Why don't you all come over to my house, and we'll play some four-handed gin rummy. Hey, yeah, let's do that. Okay. I'm sorry, fellas, I can't make it. Tonight's the night I... Well, I just can't make it. Tonight's the night you what, Don? Oh, I'd rather not tell you, Jack. You'd think I'm being silly. No, we won't, Don. What is it? Well, tonight I'm visiting a medium. We're holding a seance. Don, you're kidding. A seance? You don't believe in things like that, do you? Well, sure I do. I've been there several times before. In fact, last time I went, the medium put me in a trance. A real trance, Don? Yeah, she whispered several mystic words, used a little hypnotism, then everything went black. And my spirit flew out of my body. Not flew, Don. Waddled. <laughs> Don, do you really believe in things like this? Well, I don't know why you're so amazed, Jack. A lot of people do. I do, too. Oh, well, look, fellas. If you all seem to believe in it, I've got a good idea. Instead of playing cards at my house tonight, let's have a seance. Okay, that's fine. I'll bring the medium. All right, boy. Now, see you all at my house at 8 o'clock. Rochester, where are you? Right here in the kitchen. I'm turning the clock ahead an hour. Oh, yes. It's daylight savings time. You know, I like daylight savings time. <laughs> well, it doesn't make any difference to me what the clock says. What do you mean? Since I've been working for you, I'm a dawn to dust man. <laughs> oh, Rochester, stop complaining. You don't work so hard. I don't, eh? I got housemaid's knee clear up to the hip. 
Rochester, if you think that... Come in. Don, it's not 8 o'clock yet. What are you doing here so early? Well, Jack, right after I left you, I ran into the sportsman quartet. And they have a number they want to do on your show, and it needs a good rehearsal. What's that got to do with me? In the number, you play your violin. My violin? Oh, well, good, good. Rochester, where's my violin? In the case. All right, Don, I'll be ready in a minute. What number am I going to play with the, with the quartet? The saber dance. The saber dance? Yeah, here's your music. Okay, let's take it. You've heard us sing about them, you should never be without them. Better by luckies, better by luckies, better try luckies, better try luckies. It's a cigarette that you will like. <laughs> you better hurry, hurry, you don't want us all to worry. Hurry up, I am, hurry up, try em. Look at your missing, look at your missing. Hurry up and try a lucky strike. <laughs> chance to play my violin, and I, I'll bet it sells lucky strikes, too. Oh, it does, Jack. It does. You know something, Don? A lot of people think I can't play the violin because I kid a lot, but I have good technique, nice tone, and as a matter of fact, I consider myself quite an accomplished musician. I'd like to go on there with our Murrow's program and answer that. <laughs> Jack, the sportsman and I have to run along. I'll see you at 8 o'clock. Oh, 8 o'clock. Don't forget to bring the medium. We're going to have our seance. I won't. So long. So long, Don. Well, Don, we're all here, and the medium hasn't arrived yet. Don't worry. She'll be here soon, Jack. Hey, by the way, what's her name, Don? Madam Zimba. Gee, that's a silly name. What's silly about it? And listen, Dennis, a seance is a very serious thing. So I don't want you doing anything stupid. Oh, I won't. And I'm very glad to be here. And I hope Madam Zimba can contact Sherlock Holmes. Why? I want to find out who stole the ding-dong. 
Dennis, Dennis, young in head. <laughs> Listen to me, I don't want you. Oh, that must be Madame Zimba now. I'll get it. Good evening. Good evening. I am Madame Zimba. Come in. <laughs> Madam Zimba, we're expecting you. Madam Zimba, my name is Jack Benny. Oh, gentlemen, gentlemen, this is Madam Zimba. How do you do, Madam Zimba? Well, shall we go on with the seance? Yes. And let me say that the signs all go well for this evening. Tonight, a small comet will cross the Earth's orbit. This is fortunate. Well, are comets good for seances? Yes. In fact, when the tremendous Halley's Comet passes close to the Earth, Seances are at their best. But that only happens about once a century. That's right. You know, the last time it was visible from the Earth was in 1910. Oh, did you see Halley's Comet, Mr. Benny? Twice. <laughs> Keep quiet. What's that? I am ready. It's time to start. Now everybody sit down. Form a circle and hold hands. Come on, fellas. Come on, let's, let's do it. And now I repeat the mystic incantation. And then we... Wait a minute. What's wrong? There are only five of us here. To contact the spirits of the dead, I need a secret circle of six. Gee, what are we going to do? Oh, oh, I know who to get. Oh, Rochester! <laughs> Rochester. Yes, Mr. Benny? Rochester, we're holding a seance, but we need six people before we can contact the spirits. So you're going to join us. Who, oh, me? <laughs> yes, you. Look, Rochester, if you're afraid, you don't have to be. A seance is a perfectly normal experience. Uh -huh. People have seances every night when they contact the dead. Uh -huh. <laughs> now sit down and join us. Wouldn't you like to talk to the spirits? Not until I'm one of them. <laughs> Madam Zimba, maybe you can convince them. I'll try. Look, there's nothing to be afraid of. Uh -huh. <laughs> It'll be an interesting experience. You'll meet the spirits of so many famous people who have passed on. Lady, I don't want to meet nobody I can't shake hands with. <laughs> Rochester, stop worrying and sit down. Now, let's start. I'll, I'll put out the lights. There. There we are. Proceed, Madam Simba. Oh, spirits, we are ready. Oh, spirits of the netherworld, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, I, Madam Zimba, command your presence. Now we mortals will sit in complete silence and wait. Look, look, I think we've contacted the spirit world. There's something white coming in through the window. 
I'll go fix you a sandwich, boss. <laughs> Breaking the mood. Oh, spirits, come in. Come through the great cosmos, through the unknown, and visit with us. Quiet, everybody. I've made a contact. Come in. I am here with a message. Who is it? Who is it? It's not for you. If it's for me, tell him to slip it under the door. <laughs> Sit down. It's not for you either. I have contacted the spirit of Dennis Day's great grandfather. Gee. Dennis, me boy, I've been watching you all your life, and I've waited all these years to contact you. Come closer to me, me boy. Okay. A little closer. Yes, sir. A little closer. Here I am. Ah! How can a ghost do that? There's no explanation to the mysteries of the outer world. Wait a minute. I've made another contact. It's a famous spirit. One who's been trying to speak to you, Mr. Benny. Me? Yes. It's the spirit of Diamond Jim Brady. Gosh. Diamond Jim Brady. Jack Benny. I want to talk to you, Jack Benny. I'm here, Jim. <laughs> Jack, I've been watching over you for many years, and you've been a big disappointment to me. You've gone against all the things I've stood for. Slap him. Dennis, be quiet What? What were you saying, Jim? You've amassed a great share of worldly goods And yet you persist with your penny-pinching ways But... No buts Why don't you live a little? Spend, spend, spend Be like I was I spent my money lavishly. Whenever I walked into a nightclub or restaurant, I'd pick up every check in the place. I had fun. That's fun? <laughs> I, never, I never thought of it that way. Well, think, man, think. And believe me when I tell you, Jack Benny, you should spend... Because you can't take it with you. Are you sure? <laughs> None of us were able to, but the odds up here are ten to one you'll find a way. <laughs> look, look, Mr. Brady. I must leave now. But remember my advice. Spend, 
Over. Well, what do you think of it, Jack? It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And you want to know something, fellas? It made me see the light. I'm going to change my ways. Starting immediately, everybody on my show will get a raise. And Rochester, you're getting one, too. Gee, thanks, boss. In fact, I'm going to the next room and phone my business manager and tell him all about your raises right now. Excuse me. Well... How did it go, Mr. Wilson? Fine, fine. You were perfect. You did a great job of acting. Well, I thought we all played our parts great. Who was the smart aleck that slapped me? <laughs> oh, it doesn't make any difference. Everyone acted great. Especially you, Rochester, the way you pretended to be scared. Wasn't that good? <laughs> you certainly were. That was a wonderful idea. We finally got Jack to loosen up. Well, fellas, it's all fixed. Did you talk to your business manager? I sure did. He also manages the man who played the ghost, so none of you are getting raised. <laughs> Better luck next time, fellas. You know, Rochester, even though you fellas all framed this seance, it was kind of interesting at that. Well, boss, you're not mad that we tricked you, are you? No, no, not at all. You mean it, boss? Rochester, I rather enjoyed it. Why? I was the one that slapped Dennis. <laughs> Good night, folks. The Jack Benny program is written by Sam Barron, Milt Joseph Clerk, George Balzer... John Packerberry, Al Gordon, Al Goldman, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. The Jack Benny Program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. This is the CBS Radio Network. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Philip Marlowe, followed by The Great Gildersleeve. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.